Um, good evening, everybody. Um, this is this is Nick Donnelly, um, uh, CMO founder of Commonwealth Bar Software TV, and I am here with uh, I'm here with Diego Lot, and I'm here with Mr. James Lot, um, his dad, and um, we're actually going to just be discussing today. Um, obviously, we're going to discuss Diego's kind of career and and just also some of the um, the, the development journey he's on. Um, as an aspiring footballer, um, obviously had a lot of experience. So we're just going to speak. Um, we're kind of just going to speak um, about his career so far, and obviously his journey to, to into America and to play college soccer, um, and then also um, also the educational side and look at his background. See, we make some tick, understand from his dad, and I think it's great for for a lot of parents out there to understand that also. Um, so first, first of all, I want to welcome you, um, James, uh, Mister Mister Lauder James. What, 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 which one do you prefer? James is fine. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you for inviting us. It's great to be here. No, absolutely. Oh, it's, it's great to have you. You know, wonderful. Um, and um, and uh, just just want to kind of start off um, with you, James. And what what kind of was um, for you? Um, just kind of take us back, um, kind of. Kind of going through um, Diego's um, journey, um, and kind of what was kind of the first thing for you, um, you know, as a as a as a kid that was very active, kid that wanted to play football. What, how did that kind of start? Take take us kind of through your your journey there as as a dad. Mm, how how far do we go back now? How much can I embarrass Jago here? So, uh, <laughs> um, like most little boys, I'm going to play for England, you know, and you. Right. You know, great. Well done, son. You know, even at times we were dragging him to the football field to play when he was really young. And I don't want to be here. Um, but very quickly, he, he had developed a determination. And I can remember two particular conversations which might, uh, this is primary school age, that might uh, give an idea. So I remember one conversation with um other parents on the pitch saying lots of parents here are really competitive the boys are really competitive and it's not it's not helping my my son doesn't enjoy coming to play football and and i had to say to them well i my son comes home every day in tears because he every time after training in tears because he has to play with people that don't know which way to kick the ball so it's not just the competitive it's not me being competitive it's also the boys that really want to push on, and that was that was that was one kind of one little story. Um, and I think the next story was was talking to some parents later on in primary school, and Jago was just Jago being Jago, talking about what he can do, and probably you know a thousand keepy uppies. He got to a thousand keepy uppies when you were nine, was it, or ten before your tenth birthday? I can't. Tell. Wow. And, you know, I don't know about you, Nick, but I've never even counted to a thousand, let alone done a thousand kippy-uppies at the same time. And I was talking to some parents about it, and they were actually complaining to me that Jago was kind of bragging about what he did. And I said, Jago sets his alarm at six o'clock every morning, and he does an hour and a half training before he has breakfast. What's your boy doing before school? You know, and, and right. so this isn't being driven by us. It was never driven by us. You've got a really determined lad that that has got everywhere he's got has been because he's put in more effort than anyone else was was prepared to do right right and uh Diego what would you say what would you say that was kind of like just piggybacking off what your dad done so kind of as as a as a kid 
um, the determination. Did you feel like you needed to work harder than everyone else? Would you? Would you um, say? I think as a kid, like as a young young kid, originally it was just I just enjoyed playing football, and that was that was the most important thing. Is like it's not really working hard if you just enjoy playing it. And then, crucially, I met a coach uh, at Southampton Academy called Brad Andrews, who um, probably when I was about 10, Dad, was it? Yeah. Or younger? Maybe younger. And, uh, nine, yeah. and he's, he introduced me. I read a book by um, Matthew Saeed called Bounce when I was like nine years old. And it said that, and we, or, or we listened to it on an audio tape, I think, going to, wasn't it, Dad, going on holiday. And he basically said that if you want to be an expert in anything, you have to do a thousand hours of practice over a 10 year span. And I was just like, I just remember thinking 10,000 hours, no, but a thousand every year for 10 years. Yeah. Um, And I just remember thinking that's like, what a tiny trade that is. What, how worth it is that to just be a footballer and like not sit and do an office job and just be a footballer and get paid to do it. So, it just came from just basically that and just seeing how, how I it just felt simple to me. If you did, if you played more football, you would make it as a footballer. Like seems like the best thing deal ever to me at that age and now. So, yeah. So you see, you believe your mentality is still the same. Your goal yeah, is still, you know, yeah. I'm still dedicated. My dedication hasn't changed. Things like that. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, um, James, if you kind of take us through, so kind of, so whenever he was going through this, when did it kind of change and kind of going from being in grassroots to going to a professional club? Uh, take us through that journey from from your perspective. Well, some of these things are often, you know, it's serendipity. It's luck in some way. We moved from Bristol out to the countryside and south of Bristol, and it happened that in the village was a guy who was an author that wrote books about football clubs and he took the village football team and he ran the, the, the village school football team and he recognised something in Jago and he knew a, a chap, Dave Hedges, who was connected with Southampton and suggested, come and have a look at this lad, I think he's, he's got some potential. Um, Dave had a look at him and then came to, to my wife, Joe and myself and said, we'd like to invite Jago along to one of the feeders to the, to the Southampton Academy. And um, I remember taking Jago along and there was about 60 boys there. And he said, stop, everyone stop. Um, this is Jago, he's joining us now. Everyone watch Jago because he's going places. Like Jago just turned up for the first time. He's right, okay. Jager was the worst player there by a long way. I, I don't understand how this works. I'm not a footballer. Um, he, he, was he, was, he was a second behind everything. He wasn't moving fast enough. He wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't reacting quick enough. He'd not played in that speed of football, obviously, before. But it was amazing how quickly he then he graduated out of that part of the academy and then into the next stage and into the next stage and then joined Southampton into the academy really quickly. So whatever you do as as football coaches and things they see something that that non-footballers definitely and you know and i was just a parent going along with it 
So your so your position as a parent, James. What what would your advice be to parents if if their kids are going to make it? What do you think is an important aspect in terms of the role of a parent versus the role of the club? What what would you explain that dynamic on, on what your kind of thoughts are based on your experiences? It's an incredibly difficult role as the parent here. No question. You, Why? Why would you say that is? You always want the best for your child. Don't, you know, that's just natural. You want the best for your child. And you want them to follow their dream. Clearly, the dream that they are following, there is a lot of people that are shed on the way. There's a lot of cannon fodder in there that are there to make up the numbers so that, the, quite rightly, the great players can float to the top. And, and that's, that's clear. You know, what, what is it? 10, 20% of people will make it in some level within the professional game and the rest don't. So you've constantly got this, this battle between education and what else might you be able to do and what, what you're following your son's dream or your daughter's dream or any sport, I guess. It's going to be the same, following along with them. So there's that constant battle. There's also... The relationship with the club feels very, you feel quite powerless in that relationship. So, if you were to say something wrong or something out of turn, would that in some way upset you? Always feel precarious in the situation because, right. because your son is constantly on trial, it's kind it's like permanently being in the apprentice, you know, they're constantly being looked at, etc. Right, and, and it's you know, and when when Jago was playing playing uh, non academy football, I could really enjoy that. There were very few right. games watching Jago play in academy football that I could actually relax and enjoy, um, and those I remember very well. Um, it's also quite interesting being on a parent the 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 parent relationships on the sideline, because actually your boys are also in competition with each other. Right. So it's, you know, so it's like the parents as well <laughs> to make your best to meet your best friend yeah. on the sideline of an academy, right? That you don't want to do that because they're competing with each other as well. So they were quite kind of often very solitary kind of environments to go and actually then go and watch these academy games as well. Mm. Particularly for somebody like myself, I'm not a footballer at all. I, I'm absolutely right. I don't know where this came from. I am not a footballer, so I can't even comment about how bad the ref is because I don't really get. I don't really know that. Um, and then finally, the kind of commitment that it then had. We, Jago is the oldest of four children. There is no, you know, when, when you're getting up at six o'clock in the morning on a, on a Sunday and you're getting back at six o'clock in the evening and Jago's played in London, we've been up on the right. coach, you know, that's three kids that have not had your time for the rest of the day. Right, what you right. Give up yeah, that's very important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. In order for one of your children to be able to have, to follow their dream is a significant thing. And that, and that, and you were aware of that. And that, you know, then that, then you've got to compensate in some way with the other children as well. So, right. you know, that, that's not an easy one. So, oh, that take, takes a very gloomy picture, I seem to be, be painted you know at the same no time, I think it's a very real picture yeah. yeah right I'm incredibly proud of what Jago has achieved um the people 
not all, but but a lot of the people that we met at Southampton that were involved in Southampton were fantastic. And then when you moved to Bristol City, similarly, great people there. And I know that I could still pick up the phone to the academy manager at Bristol City at any time and um, have a great conversation about Jago or about other things, as we have done. So, so there are oh, some great people brilliant. within yeah. set up as well. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have not had that journey at all, but mm. go into it with your eyes open. Absolutely, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And what would your, so your, what would your bits of advice you would give to a parent who has who has other kids in their family and they've got a kid very very gifted, and that's kind of he's very he's very I suppose bent on conquest in that direction. What what advice would you would you give James? What would be your that they should really consider? I don't know that I have any amazing words of wisdom in the same way it's, it's really hard to suggest how somebody parents their own children. Right. I would be I would be very, very conscious of the impact it's going to have on your other children. Right. When you to this. And as the success happens and then they get more and more involved in it, so more and more time is is um uh, you, you're putting into one child rather than the others. So right. be really conscious of that and make conscious effort to do something with the other children. The other thing is to, you know, we, with Jago, and it was, you know, in, you know, at Southampton, a large number of the boys were only children, which was really interesting. So the parents were able to dedicate the whole time. We gave Jago response, you know, this was driven by Jago. This was J Jago's dream. If Jago ever didn't want this, then we weren't pushing him. It wasn't us pushing him. It was Jago leading it all to the level where, you know, Jay, at quite a late age, some boys, their parents would run on and do their shoelaces up. You know, these boys had did nothing for themselves. Whereas Jago had to, if he turned up without any boots, that was his fault and he wouldn't do it again. You know, that's not our responsibility to pack. I've got other right. children. I'll be there with you. I have to. Right. You do everything else. You do the training. Right. As soon as he was old enough, he got on the bus. And it took him an hour and a half to get to the training ground on, on the bus. And he had to do, what was it? Bus, train, walk or bus, train, bus or whatever you did, Jago. Bus, train, walk. He did that, you know. And on occasion, he rang me up and, Dad, I'm on the wrong train heading towards Cardiff. <laughs> Just like, I suggest you get off. <laughs> Go the other way. Jago's going to be a bit late, you know. And you know that said a lot about Jago to the academy. You know, this guy's not being driven and popped up and by the parents. He's there on his right. own will. And and if you are right. then that's it. And I think that's important. You're taking responsibility early for your dream. Yeah. So you think you think football really provides you where parents can actually use it as a great tool to help them in parenting a child that has to grow up if he's going to come in, if he's going to come into this industry. Yeah, if, if they allow that to happen, you know. And, right. and Jago mentioned Brad, Brad Andrews earlier as well. The other great thing that Brad said to, to Jago was, Jago, what, so what club do you want to join, Jago? This is age nine. What club do you want to I want to play for Barcelona. Brilliant, Jago, brilliant. So... So if you want to play for Barcelona, Jago, and so one, 
so there's two players in your position going for a position at Barcelona. One speaks Spanish and the other one doesn't. Which one do you think they're going to pick? If they're absolutely the same, which one would they pick? Well, they pick the one that speaks Spanish. So what are you going to do about that? Well, I'm going to learn Spanish. Jago now speaks Spanish. You know that? Yeah, not very well. Actually. Yeah, okay. You're a bit rusty, but you speak Spanish. Uh-huh. Uh, um, yeah, so that that's where it can be really used as a force for good, you know, yeah. to really drive drive to create a whole person. And, Absolutely. And, and that is the thing within it as well, isn't it? So as soon as you've got somebody's passion, then what else can you bolt around it? Because it just becomes part of the same package to right. lift them up and drive them forward. And so it really can be. And that's perhaps a whole nother story talking about the education. But but it really can be a way to drive forward people's educational achievements at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely, yeah, I think that's a really good point. So, you know, when you look at, like, your dad's kind of explaining it from his from his perspective, what was kind of your perspective in terms of knowing what you had to do? Because um, it's kind of you at the end of the day. And the fact that you're aware that your dad was kind of putting, he was kind of, prioritizing you in a way that to help you and um what would what was kind of your understanding of that and going to southampton um and going through that journey what what kind of can you kind of recall well it's it's interesting hearing it from dad's perspective especially from the southampton because i was so young that i don't i don't remember it as well like the little intricacies um but what i would say is i definitely appreciated dad and mum like my parents not living my dream vicariously because I think a lot of parents especially in academies and especially the dads had a dream of making it pro and now they didn't make it for whatever reason and then they just pushed their their child their their son and you know that there's a lot of people dad that you know their dad wouldn't speak to them afterwards Mm. if they didn't you like score a goal or they gave the ball away or whatever and Dad was never like that. Mum and dad were right. never like that. It was completely my thing. And I can't, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, right. it, or my dream was that they were like that because, um, and I remember often um, other players would say to me, like, blimey, like, you're committed. Because I'd get on, I, I can't remember when I started getting the bus and the train, but from a young age, and a lot of my, teammates and never even got the bus and the train by themselves and i was doing it 14 three times a week to get to training 14, yeah right yeah right three times a week to get to training just because just because like that's why i just always did what i want what i got had to do to make it as a pro because it, it just sounds so much better than doing an office job to me <laughs> yeah no absolutely man you want to do you want to you never you want to do it because it's fun you know that's kind of yeah. why you didn't football is a privilege i always tell people it's a privilege it's not a right you know um 100%. yeah very very important you can never take it for granted <laughs> either I don't, also i want to say what dad was saying about the parenting yeah i think from my perspective academies are good because i've had like different coaches all the way up from when i was very young and those different coaches have also provided like um like role models for me as well like as as people um so like brad andrews especially was like he sticks out to me because he has a big influence on my life he probably doesn't know i haven't spoke to him 
in eight years or something. But um, mm -hmm. like it gave, I wouldn't have had it otherwise. The 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 role models for how you live your life as well as also how you become a pro. So I think that 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 was right. really good for me as well. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that um, when you're kind of going through that journey, um, I think it's it's the it's the things that you're doing, and I think what parents do to to sacrifice for their kids, um, I can definitely uh, I can definitely relate to that. You know what I mean? I'm bigger than my parent now, but but it's it's definitely important when you see parents that are empowering their children, and they're allowing their kids to go off and make mistakes. And I remember yeah. I remember one of the things Johan Cruyff said to me. He said, Nick. You have people that bash players for no reason, but but he said the greatest thing about development it should be allowed and people should be allowed to make mistakes along the way, without being criticised um, because it actually slows down their their learning patterns if you bash them. And he said I always assume people and even even as a coach out there he says I've always assumed people will always make a mistake always and um, yeah. and that's okay <laughs> that's okay yeah. you know what I mean. Um, but um, I think that, um, and I, I believe um, definitely, I mean, a comment on Spar Shock, that's what we do with a lot of the players that kind of come through. We, we Our goal is, if they have an appointment, we impart them just like what your dad's saying, because you have to prepare them the world they're going into. Um, and I think that's the responsible thing to do. Because once you start coddling them, and the same thing's happening with my daughter at the minute, she's trying to become an actress. And I've said to her, there's going to be loads of people competing with you. And I said, I said, well, you think you're the only actress on the block. <laughs> That's not reality, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day. Very competitive industry, just like football, no different. And um, and I think it's it's great when you're aware, you've got great awareness of, of, the, of that's, that's actually that's actually what's actually going on. Um, and so in, in terms of, so as you kind of, as you kind of go, um, 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 Diego, so you obviously, um, you obviously, you had other interests, didn't you, outside of football as well, right? So, yes. so you're yes. kind of thriving. Tell us, tell us, to, just to kind of tell everybody, because I think it would be great, because I was quite surprised when your dad shared it with me, and I think it would be great if you share it with our audience. Yeah, so when I was 16, I did, uh, I was in Romeo and Juliet. Um, I was Benvolio in Romeo and Juliet. I always, I for some reason, I really took to, when I studied Romeo and Juliet, I just really enjoyed it and um, enjoyed learning about it. And then I, I'd always liked acting. But obviously, I hadn't been able to do it that much because of um, football. But it, the opportunity came up, and uh, I took it and um, really enjoyed it. Just completely something completely different. I didn't really have the pressure of uh, academy as well, which I think I enjoyed as well. Um, and I think, especially at that time, I needed something else because I'd been in. I think football had got quite a lot for me at that point and I needed something else so I, I did I really enjoyed it and um, performed it over three nights every night um, blockbuster <laughs> blockbuster <laughs> and yeah. so 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 is it kind of like did you like it because it was like I'm doing something different I'm kind of challenging myself and I'm really using so you really like the arts isn't it you like the entertainment yeah. industry as yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I love music. I love, you know, film and stuff. But also, I liked it because I met just completely different people. Like right. you know, you know yourself, Nick, that right. the people that are in acting are not the same people that are in, they're in football. And it was nice to just meet and hang around with like different people, 
Well, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, you know, when you're saying that, it's so funny because I was telling my wife this recently, and your dad will kind of he'll definitely appreciate it. When I was in the Lyric Theatre as a kid, um, and it was very popular, especially during the Troubles, um, growing up in Northern Ireland, and, and I remember when I went to play football, you know, a lot of the actors didn't like me when I, because I was going to go to like a, it was like an event that was supposed to be run like just before COVID and you all come together and then literally, and then the alumni kind of, there's like a performance at the Lyric. So people that have yeah. come through from when they were kids and then they do, and then you come and look at performances and then there's drinks and things like that afterwards. And, and they were like, you know, I was thinking, yeah, but when I went back and it was a bit like Jimmy Dornan, who's to, back and then they said because he went off to the Ulster Academy you know <laughs> to play rugby yeah. and so and then I was obviously I was obviously playing at Manchester United so there was there was a big thing where they wouldn't speak to us anymore because they viewed us we're not like them anymore we where we think we're better and, and actors just don't like footballers in general it's kind of a yeah. it's kind of funny you know what I mean but but yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, you're right like it's a very different culture when you're in yeah. the acting arena and it's very artsy and they're very geeky, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I like that part of it. Yeah. But that bit didn't bother me. I could switch my personality based upon the environment I was in. I'm sure, would you say it was the same for you? You could yeah. switch between? And, and actually, I think probably my personality is more suited, or it was, I've, I've learned now, but it was naturally, it's probably more suited to um, those sort of people, actually in, in, in drama rather than football. And actually, that's one of the things I've really learned from being in football that you do need to um, be a bit tougher and a bit more um, stand up for yourself more. And it's only since being released twice that I've learned that, really. I think more naturally, I'm more of a, a happy to be social. And um, obviously, footballers are very social, but um, I think I just fit, naturally I fitted in more with that crowd, which is interesting in some ways. Mm, mm. And yeah. so if we just kind of look at that, because uh, that's kind of interesting what you just brought up. So, James, um, take us back to, so obviously you've been on this journey now, you're, you're gaining experience, you're learning what, about what it's all about. What, what, what was it like in, in terms of him being released? Take us through that experience for you as a dad. Mm. So when he was released from Southampton, it was the almost that whole season leading up to being released but particularly the last few months were very difficult mm. and it was there was a situation between so at Southampton there was North Southampton which trained out of Bath and there was Southampton that trained at their club down in Southampton and they had two academy centres they were allowed that because they were on the coast and they could be two hours north um, in terms of travel so they had this other bath center and and there was no love lost between the two centers right um, and it was obvious that jago was leading the march from bath into southampton and, right. and that wasn't appreciated um and so it became it became almost non-viable but it showed the worst of what it was it was it was political rather with a small p rather than genuinely about talent or whatever we felt those people at southampton might might look look differently 
at this but that's how we perceive what was going on um and so that that was incredible and and it and it became honestly it became so difficult at the end you know the things that jago was enduring age 12 no person should really go through and he was being expected to endure them age 12. And that really is really difficult as a parent to hear what he was right. having to listen to and what he was being told and the way he was verbally being abused, really. Okay. That was, really was that by the coaching staff? Was that by teammates or who was that generally all coming Yeah, from? so by, by a particular character on the staff right. who is no longer there. Um, when we he was then released and when, when he came out of it it was an amazing situation because I, I was being rung up I don't know how people find your numbers I don't know how this works but oh you'd be surprised <laughs> by clubs all over England right. and, and Wales and we're really interested in Jagger. we've heard he's been moved from Southampton I got a dozen calls and I was I was at a stage that were um, that's very nice of you to ring me. Can you ring me again in September? And she said, well, we need to move really fast and all that kind of stuff. If you push me, the answer's no. Right. I, you know, we need a break from all of this. We cannot be here right. in amongst this thing. We have to have a break. We are breaking until September. You come back to or August, it would have been, sorry. August, come back okay. to us in August because we just right. need the time now to just regroup as a family because the, the situation right, right. is so, so It's important, you know. Um, so we did that and, and um, we then a, a, a friend told us about a chap called Tim Kirk um, who then went on where was he coaching recently he's at Borussia Dortmund Borussia Dortmund yeah. he's the academy manager at Borussia Dortmund now um, but he ran a thing called um, Bath and what was it called Jago? Bath and Wilts Bath and Wilts which was run as a charity and, and their tagline was it's not all about the ball it's not all about the ball. And, and they were not an academy, not even a private academy. They were run by this amazing guy and a real visionary where come and play football with us. You'll play at high standard, but you will also learn about life and travel and all this kind of stuff. And that really helped us as a family fall back in love with football and Jago's dream. And to be honest, I think probably... You, Jago, probably the same. You fell back in love yes. with football. Yeah, it was the best thing, that break, and playing for Bristol City, uh, playing for um, Bath and Wilts was the best thing, I think, that we could have done then. Um, yeah, 100%. And then, I, ironically, I then got scouted playing for Bath and Wilts again. So I got double scouted by Bristol City. Yeah. And what, you know, you know when you joined them, um, Jago, right? Um, I just have a question. So when you were scouted by them, um, or you kind of went there, how did you find it when you were being released? And obviously your dad's explaining from his perspective on how challenging he found it. How did you, how did you find it? What, what, how did you process being released and facing that kind of adversity? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the worst. It's, uh, it's the worst thing that I'd experienced at 12, at age 12. Of course. I mean, that was like my dream had come crashing down. Um, I've only lived my dream for two years. I'd only been a signed player for two years. Um, and then it just came crashing down. But 
in some ways I did expect it because the coach was just pretty made it pretty obvious. And even as a twelve year old, I knew that he didn't want me at the club. Right. Uh, so I expected it. Um, and I think socially it was difficult because I'd just gone in um, to secondary school, and I'd sort of, as as a, every twelve year old did, you just want to fit in, and um, I sort of used the fact that I was an academy footballer to go and fit in and be the cool kid at school, um, and then that came away, and you know people looked at you different and said things differently to me, and um, I found that difficult as well. Um, mm. But I would say that uh, being released in Bristol City in March of last year was harder. Um, right. And I guess we'll come to that later. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So, so how did it make you feel, like in terms of emotionally, mentally? Um, take us kind of through that, because I know, like, with uh, with um, mental health and and stuff like that being important, and certain kids can take it harder what what kind of were the kind of how did, how did it make you feel kind of mentally and emotionally and how did you deal with it um i don't really i mean it's so long ago i think i i remember dad got the phone call and the mm -hmm. coach said to dad that he was going to drive up to our house and have a coat didn't he say that dad he was going to have a meeting with us at the house mm. and then that never came about and i remember me and dad went for a walk and i just dad was angry i remember dad being angry and i think it was the first time i'd ever heard dad swear don't you remember dad he was like he the first time he'd ever said it a swear word mm. in front of me and i i remember being just i don't remember being as upset as dad i think i was just like just felt didn't feel anything and um and then over it like it just took it just took time especially with confidence um on the pitch it's probably taken me till now to be honest mm. to feel fully confident in myself as a player because he was on at me all the time um and the release of course about like not being good enough to play. And I had a bit of imposter syndrome probably my whole time at Bristol City and it probably haunted my whole time at Bristol City. Um, I think so. Um, and it's probably only now that, that I've got over that. Or I hope so. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, man. I appreciate you being honest and, and vulnerable. And, and I think that is I think that is important. I think it's important for players to talk about that. I think it's very important for sure. 100%. I mean, um, you know, it, it's it's really, really interesting when I hear this because I I think as a kid, you know what I mean, I, I was quite lucky. I had, I had some really good coaches. I mean, I remember I had, I had Eddie Coulter. He had brought over Johnny Evans. He brought over David Healy. He brought over some really, really top, top players. And, and the thing is, he was all, there was always an encouragement. But I, I think the only negative experience I had with Jim Ryan, uh, who was, he didn't like Catholics, basically. Um and uh, remember him saying to me once, he said, "If you're a Protestant, that would you wouldn't have done, you wouldn't have moved the ball like that." And I thought, "What does your religion have to do with yeah. anything?" Yeah. <laughs> I thought, "Although that's totally ridiculous." You know what I mean? So I know it. You know some, and but some of these people um, um, that are that are maybe in clubs. But I would say that 
football is never going to be fair because you're going to have people, they might look at you, um, you know what I mean? But I think at the same time, it's been able to deal with that, yeah. even, when you're, even when you're a kid. But I do think it's important, and I would be with your dad here on this, that a kid needs to be in a position where he's having to, um, where they're, you're learning the you're not, you're not a first-year pro. I remember having this this conversation with Stevie Robinson at the Irish FA, who was the Motherwell manager, and I said, Stevie, I said, imagine I'm 12 and teach me something. And I said, Stevie, I said, I'm 12. No, but Nick, I said, you're speaking to me like I'm a first-year pro. <laughs> I yeah. says, I'm 12. That's the way you need to envision me because I'm looking through the eyes of a child um, to see how can I get the information across them? How can I build them up? Like, for example, one of the things that I would always say when I would coach, I would say, I would say a kid would make a mistake and they'd be beating themselves up. And I would say, you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. Because when I tell that child that, that exact thing, they learn acceptance. They learn it's okay to feel. And that's one of the things I, I do love about capitalism as well, is that you can feel and it's okay. It's totally cool. No problem. So, um, and, and that I think, like what you're saying, but when you're at a young age, <laughs> you don't think that way. <laughs> so, yeah. so let's kind of yeah. go through. So then let's go to the next transition. Um, and then we go to, we go to Bristol. Um, we head on Bristol. So explain this, the journey at, at Bristol City. Me? Um, we can yeah. start with your dad. <laughs> we'll start okay. with your dad first. Yeah. Um, Bristol was great. You know, the, the, it was, we, we'd had the break. The way they introduced Jago was really well done. They had set up the... Um, the way they'd set up the academy was respectful of education more so than any other club that I knew. Um, they concentrated their training in evenings after school rather than taking day, rather than doing day release, for instance. Um, it wasn't necessary to do the day release. You know, you could push it into the evenings. That was really good. So that you know that that filled us with a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of confidence it was going to work out well there were quite a few boys that we'd known through over the time that Jago had trained with at Southampton that had ended up at Bristol City um, okay. and so we knew a few of the boys that were there when we went in as well um, it was local to us you know Southampton on a good day was a two-hour drive away and uh, and now we were on a on a outside of uh, rush hour a half an hour drive to the training ground in bristol um so that was a lot easier for home life etc um and then did you ever lose to south i don't think you ever lost to southampton either did you no no nope. that was good nope. that was really good <laughs> that must have been sweet <laughs> that's definitely sweet <laughs> Um, and 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 so in terms of that, um, and kind of going in there. So, um, so what age were you when you when you when you released from Southampton? Then you started at Bristol Bristol City, Diego. Uh, so I was released at under twelve, and I um, went into Bristol City at under thirteen. Um, so I got released at the end of under twelve season, took the break, and then came in like September. I think Dad was it yeah. of. Um, at Bristol City, so it was. It was. A, it, I did have the break, but it was also a quick transition mm. from one to other. Um, How long was that? How long was the break in between? 
it was only the summer. Um, but I, I had, I had, we, I joined Bath and Wilts in August and then I went on a tour. Not, not really a well, tour. I think but you a joined tour. Bath and Wilts earlier than that. So it would have been July or, or even yeah, June. Yeah, yeah, June, yeah. yeah. And then I had a tour with them pretty immediately um, to Cornwall. And it was just like, we went surfing. We went, we played some games. We went surfing. We went, uh, we did other stuff. We, I don't even know, but it was just a lot more fun. And I enjoyed that. And I think um, because of Bath and Wilts, I was, and because Tim Kirk had also been the academy manager at Bristol City previously, he could give me advice on, like he knew all the players in my age group and he could give me advice on um, like how to act and who to speak to and stuff. And he could put in a good word for me as well. Um, so I think because of Bath and Wilts, it made me more comfortable to go um, quickly into Bristol City afterwards. And so do you think like it definitely helps a player if he's been released to kind of have that little break in between and kind of find themselves a little bit before they kind of just jump into it again and go through go through the academy ladder? Uh, it, it depends. I think it depends. It suited me. Um, mm. It suited me because of how I've been treated at the academy. But I think that um, I don't want to paint my academy experience as being all bad because it's the best thing I've ever did. Elite sport is the best thing in the world because you get pretty much you get paid trips abroad. You get you yeah. go travel all around the country. You play against. You test yourself every week. Um, so I definitely think, and also you need to be in an academy in England. The way the system's set up. It's very difficult to um, get into the academy system if you're outside as you get older. Once you get into the academy system, if you get released, it's much easier to go back in, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And so so kind of as, you, as you're going into Bristol City, so you're going to under 13, and then how yeah. does it go and what age do you stay at Bristol City till? So I stayed till last year, uh, till under 18, but I did have a little... Um, at age 16, I got offered a scholarship. Um, after really good years, I was captain uh, under 16, under 15 um, of the team. Um, and then I got offered a scholarship at 16. Um, but regrettably now, um, if I'm honest, I turned it down um, to go to Millfield School for a year. Um, I... I think, again, I think I've become, um, I think I was 16 as well. I think I was 16 and seeing other other options. Um, and I've been offered the scholarship at Millfield School as a different route or um, the academy. And I took the Millfield route um, and then and pretty much immediately I knew that it wasn't the right decision. Um, but I have a tendency to maybe in a good, maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but I have a tendency to try and finish things through. Um, right. And so I did the year um, and hated it because I just felt like I was selling myself short. 
um, and then went back into Bristol City for a year and did a year's scholarship and then got released at the end. Um, but the year's scholarship was the best thing, best year of my life, 100%, because right. I was getting paid to play football, which is even a, it's just a joke that that's even a thing. Because. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what would you say, do you think if you had a stayed there, you think it would have been a different outcome if you were there yeah. for the two years? Yes, yeah. 100%. Wow. Yeah. That, that's interesting. That's interesting. And so, do you have a regret there? Um, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I do. Um, hmm. I think I would have, it would have, I've spoken to, I spoke to the, uh, one of the coaches of Bristol City the other day about this decision. Um, I did sort of a similar format with him. And um, he thinks, and we we came to the conclusion it would have been a lot better if um, I had someone from the club say why are you doing this? Because I had a lot of support from the club because the right. club's very supportive. But I think at that point in my life, at sixteen, I think I needed someone to say, "Just stop. Why are you doing this? What do you want?" Because I still wanted to be a pro, right. and like being a pro, it wasn't. That wasn't the right decision to be a pro. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah. And so when you so when you look at that, um, James, uh, you know, just being dad, like, what do you what do you think of that? Him choosing to go to Millfield, and what was your what was kind of your thought process? Where were you in relation? Kind of like Bristol City. Were you, were you kind of did you feel like it was a good thing, or were you kind of more just let Jago? let him be responsible in that way to make that decision at that age this is this is beyond me here nick this this is a fundamental flaw in the academy system right you when you are a scholar and a paid for scholar you yeah. have to follow an education system set up by the english football association right that right, isn't it the efa um you have to follow that process. So you have to do a sport BTEC and some coaching certificates because right. you're still 16, 16 to 18. You've got to stay in full-time education. That is what you are allowed to do. For Jago, I don't want to do sport BTEC. I want to do A-levels. I want to do English literature. I want to do psychology. I want to do Spanish. That's what I want to do. Right, we right. had a lot of conversations um, and the, the academy... Uh, head at, at Bristol City, Gary, is on a task force of six clubs trying to sort this issue out. Mm. And um, so that boys that want to do A-levels, want to do something different, can be scholars and have the education. Why does there have to be this? You can have the football career or you can have an education. Why Why does that have to be, honestly? And... and it is not difficult, and in many ways, this what we've experienced in 2020 um, surely will will accelerate that to happen. Because doing online for boys that want to do other things, it could be it could be so easy to do, and and we and that's what we were talking about before we even went into it. So when Jago was 16, when we were discussing this, we were talking about how he could potentially continue at the club and also do his A-levels and we explored everything, everything that we, we, 
every option that we could. Even down to the thing when Jager was allowed to continue. So he, whilst he was at Millfield, he was going back and he was still playing for Bristol City and they were getting him there training and they were really good at the club. They'd pick him up from Millfield and take him in, uh, in for training. He would have time off from school to do it. Um, and it's quite a distance between the two schools. Um, even even though that was that that was going on and he was doing the A level, it was it was still a kind of well, Jago has it was hanging over this. Jago has made a decision not to do what everyone else does. So is he is he as committed as everybody else? And you know, I come back to that. You know, why why does he have to choose? What between a, an education and a football career? It's crazy. It's crazy. Right. That's also important, important to note that. Sorry. It's also important to note that I did actually, in my second year, I did do A-levels. So when I left Millfield, I didn't just drop my A-levels. I went and did the year at Bristol City, but carried on with my A-levels. And it, it, we paid for a, a tutor. My, obviously, we're in a very fortunate position to be able to pay for a tutor, um, which I did on the education day, which was uh, Wednesday. Um, so I paid for my tutors then for my A-levels and then, I, then they gave me homework to do for the rest of the time and I came out with good grades and it was fine. So it is possible to do as well. Yeah. And, and I think if, we'd done, if we did it again, that the, the issue is that, that you couldn't have been a scholar and have done A-levels through a tutor and not done the BTEC. Yeah. just the way that the way that it is all set up you weren't able to do that um and and that yeah so that is incredibly frustrating and as a parent then supporting it was in, incredibly difficult so you've got this dream jago you've also want to do a levels you want you know how do we and we went round and round in circles there and and we're never happy with the decision and would have never been happy with the decision either way. If you, you know, in some ways, you ended up with A levels. You loved doing the A levels that you did. Um, it's a shame, I think, that it disadvantaged your football career at Bristol City. But maybe it's now giving you the opportunity that you've got now. Well, it is giving you yeah, the opportunity. It is. I wouldn't have ended no. up here without it. No, that's why they picked me because yeah. I could get the academic aid as well as the. Um, and so, so if we can, if we kind of look at that, um, Diego. So obviously, you've learned obviously from your mistake, and and you take ownership for making the decisions that you did. Um, and then, because I know that kind of how we actually met was you actually were um, obviously you wanted to interview like an entrepreneur um, and stuff like that. So you kind of opened your mind up to that. So away from the acting, away from the football. Um, and so has that kind of opened your mind um, to a lot of things? I know I, I kind of give you a book list. I'm not sure if you, you went and got some yeah, of yeah. books. But, yeah, but, I'm, um, on I'm on and it. We, okay, so, so we kind of spoke about that and um, that it's kind of, um, it's continued learning. Um, um, are you, yeah. say, you say that's something that you're, you're taking quite seriously, not just Definitely. on the football side, but um, on the other yeah, side yeah. of off the pitch. I, yeah, I enjoy it. Um, I do enjoy um I don't think that's the same for every footballer at all, um, but I do enjoy um, learning and um, also it's teaching me a lot of skills being in school and uh, right. at the same time because I'm, I'm, you know, we met through networking 
which I would never have had to do if I still got, if I just did the normal route to go for a pro. But I, I may have done, but my agent, if I had an agent, would have done that for me. So um, I learned networking. I learned conversation skills. You know, we had it. I had to interview you, didn't I, Nick? And yep. I learned how to essay skills, writing up. And, you know, I'd love to do alongside being a professional footballer. Ideally, I'd love to write pieces for the media and um, say, you know, talk about my experiences, talk about other people's experiences. And being in school has helped me do that 100%. Because mm. I think as well, like your, your dad, obviously, he comes from a marketing background um, and kind of running his own business. So that would have helped you a lot. Um, so yeah. you would have had somebody you could really ask other questions of. Um, and I think marketing, I'm a big believer that marketing is one of the greatest skills. I think the art of selling is one of the greatest skills you can actually have. Um, def, as long as it's a good product, not like these fake gurus, marketing gurus you see on social media, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kai Lopez and people like this, you know what I mean? But um, but when you look at um, when you look at that, and so so obviously you decided then to go to, go to the United States. Um, what was kind of your, your logic? Um, and uh, James, what was kind of your thinking in terms of that as like a progression for him? Uh, we just saw it, you know, you've, you've got to kind of encompass this in, you know, Jago was released at the beginning of lockdown, lockdown one in 2020, March 2020. Um, so he couldn't. So we're the club. We're really good at supporting you. This is at Bristol City. We will ordinarily we'd, we'd get you playing at lots of different clubs. We think we can find you a professional contract. There was nothing, you know, right. nothing that they could do could offer any opportunity for Jago at that moment. You right. know, nothing that he could do. But to be honest, where, you know, and their encouragement was, Jago, you need to go to a, a low league club and you will work your way up. You need to go and play football and you will you will right. rise back up again. That was right. that was their and that was their belief. Um and we will help you to go and do that. Um, right. but you could not do that. Right. You know, and ordinarily you would have gone out and played, but you could not have done that. Um and you know, you mentioned there that the networking Jago. I I, I just Jago, you can you know, we allowed it for a few weeks and then it was, Jago, you, you can wait for things to happen or you can go out there and make things happen. Right. And I gave you 10 minutes on how to how to use LinkedIn. Now go and do something. And you really took it and made it your own. And that's why we're here talking to you, Nick. And that's why you've got the opportunity in the States. And that's why, you know, it's, you know, you embraced social media. You embraced and just like, this is me and I'm authentic. And this is what I want to get. And I'm out there to talk to anybody who can help me go and achieve my dream. Oh, right. You know, and, you know, I know I'm a proud dad, but there's not many that bust 18 year olds that can dust themselves off from their dream being ending and then just like, OK, right. What next then? How am I going to make it happen again? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's so it's so interesting, um, James, you know, when you're saying this, because I remember um, obviously my my kind of career um kind of came tumbling down because of the troubles and things like that, um, which I couldn't control. And obviously, you know, Manchester United, they couldn't be seen to get involved in the political situation either. Um, and so 
And I remember going, and obviously I went to Linfield, um, one of the most successful club in Britain, um, won the most league titles, you know, got to the quarterfinals, Champions League in the 70s. So for a semi-pro club, or semi-pro in England standards, um, and to kind of go on, and, and, and obviously my grandfather played there. And then I, I, I was offered a contract by them, very similar to Diego, where you could have waited around, but then I thought, no, nah, I'm better than this. And I, I did the same thing that Diego did. I went to America. I met a guy, he, he through networking, <laughs> He said, listen, if you come over, and then I turned it up at University of Maryland. I went there, did a couple of days, and I was thought, no, no, this isn't for me. Then Colin Clark, who used to used to play for uh, used to play for Northern Ireland, um, and uh, he got me into, uh, I think it was, the, it was the Virginia Royals. They're like a feeder club. Um, and I went through them, and then he was with the Richmond Kickers. And, and then, obviously, I was then, got, I then joined up with DC United um, eight months later. Literally, and got in with them, and um, was playing with boys like Bobby Convey and you know um, uh, Ryan Nelson used to play for Tottenham and Blackburn. Um, so I got to be around, you know, good good professionals. But for me, it was sacrifice because I had to go I had to go and work in a kitchen <laughs> in DC in like a French restaurant in Capitol Hill. And I'm like, and I'm like, no man, this is because I if I had stayed in Limford, I would have got my money. But for me, I wanted to play in the national team because I felt the position I played. For Northern Ireland, I could have, I could have done that, and so, and I think that you have to sacrifice sometimes to develop and push yourself. You have to do the uncomfortable things, and I think how our universe kind of works is that when that happens or things don't kind of work, kind of work out the way you planned or the perfect plan you had in your mind. Um, I think that, and and I, it's funny because I look at kids now, James, and you can probably tell me this is experience as a dad is that. When, when kids speak to me or, or they spoke to me or spoke to my staff and they say, oh, I don't know if I get let my kid do this because of this. And they ask me, do you, do you know what I mean? And I says, no, I don't actually. Could you explain it to me? Because I really don't. I don't get it. Because I had left home when I was 16. Um, and I think that it kind of set me up. It set me up well. Because I think in football, like the direction Diego's chosen to go on, you've got to grow up quick. And that's the reality. And in fact, I'm dealing with a kid at the minute, um, and he's he's playing for the Galaxy. And I said I said to his agent, I said, if he's going to move to Europe, he needs to grow up, because this club are going to talk about paying him in excess of a million euros a year. So they have an expectation. They are not going to hold your hand. <laughs> they're just not. They don't have time to do that. They're a brand. They're a, they're a business. You know what I mean? That again, they, you're in a business, and you need to realize that when you get to you know, when you get to 18, 19, you know what I mean? That it's a business and you need to be aware of what you're what you're kind of entering into. Um, and I know listening to guys like Simon Jordan, he's on Talk Sport. And I remember he was talking about mental health and he would always say, you have to prepare the boys for the world they're going into and that they might get a bib thrown at them and said and told they're not playing. That's that's the world that you're coming into. And, and some people, they look at that and they think, oh, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could. And that's why I always say why we've kind of created a software so that we don't bring kids very far. If we don't believe their personality is going to be suited to this because it's going to be unfair in them. It's going to it's There's going to be mental health problems down the road. And I also believe it's a it's a moral. I create the software because it's a it's a it's a moral responsibility. Does that make sense? Um, to make sure that you do the best for for that child at that time. So, but I think it's you know it's the rough and tumble. But I also think business is a lot like that <laughs> at times. It really is. So, so it's just being it's being aware 
Um, and I, I'm, I'm dealing with it at the minute. You know, things are not always fair. You know what I mean? I've, uh, you know, I mean, I've lost money and things. But that, but I also believe football has helped me to deal with those things. It's given me those tools from being a child all the way up. So I can definitely relate to everything that that uh, that you're saying. So Diego, we'll just kind of go on in terms of. So so then, obviously, you come over to the states. Obviously, you're coming in during lockdown, and uh, and I remember speaking to you at Christmas time, and you said to me. Oh, I'm I'm going back to America, <laughs> and I thought, oh, you're going to miss Christmas with your family, and then I I realized, oh no, this is what you got to do when you're a player <laughs> because I haven't been a player for a while, and it's like, and it, and it, and it's um, you know what I mean? Did that did that kind of affect you? Like the fact that you miss your family and you wouldn't be able to, you you'd have to give up those things in order to yeah. make sure you're ready. Yeah, that that was difficult. Um, so I was I was actually out with my friends. Um, and then dad called me and said, uh, I think you need to go tomorrow because of this new strand in the UK. Um, and there was loads of countries banning travel. Um, but that was on like the 20th, wasn't it, dad? Yeah. Of December, I think. Um, so I then flew the next day. Um, I'm unfortunate to have some family friends here. So it, it wasn't too bad because I stayed with some really good friends of, um, of dad. Um, so they they made it a lot easier, but it it was definitely difficult not being um, with my little you know my little brothers and sisters, especially because uh, I've been home for three weeks, but they've been at school the whole time, um, so right. I hadn't been able to see them that much, um, right. and I was just about to be able to see them, and I'm very close. We're all we're very close as a family, so um, it is difficult, but it but it's what I what what you had to do. It was that or maybe not coming over and then being stuck in the UK lockdown and just not doing anything. And so, yeah, it, and it's so, what you got to do. So when you kind of look at that, so you go back over there um, and when all of this is happening and I know we kind of spoke and I, like I say, uh, at, C, at Continental Sparse Soccer, we said, I, I kind of said to you, let's recommend you to, to kind of go out to California as well. So you also use yeah. that time. And that wouldn't have happened maybe if you had stayed at home for Christmas, which which is quite yeah. which is quite good. So <laughs> it's funny how those things kind of work out. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, how how did you? So obviously you went out to California. Um, tell us. Well, how, I went, uh, I went out to Arizona. Sorry, Arizona. Sorry, correction. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. they are beside each other, but they're different. They're different states, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, so, so what actually? What actually? Um, so, what's kind of the next journey? I know you went out there. You played in a tournament, but obviously that's not the yeah. level you're going to be playing at. What's kind of the the next the next step? Um, kind of for you in, in terms of in terms of the in terms of your development. So I've, I'm looking at it. I have I'm in this college environment at UMEC. Um, and I'm trying to look at it. I have four years to get drafted and four years to get in a professional environment. And within those four years, I need to play on the West Coast in Summer League because you get it's a really good exposure. Um, I looked it up and it's uh, 80% of people that get drafted from college played um, USL2, which is the Summer League. So it's very important that I play there. Um, right. And especially the one that you introduced me into, Nick, or your friend, right. uh, Rudy. Uh, but they've produced countless players. The, you, do you know Zardes? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know yeah, all of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so he, he, was, he played for them. and um, So that's the aim is to get there this summer. 
and try and get exposure into LA Galaxy and um, yep. so push up there. So I'm trying to get professional contracts in America, get into the first team in America within the next four years and then possibly move on um, or hopefully move on into Europe and then yep. maybe back to the UK after that. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think, well, you look at Jack Harrison and that's what he's done. Yeah. He yeah. done that and, and it's worked out quite well for him. He's probably one of the best left wingers in the Premier League at the minute. <laughs> If I'm yeah, not mistaken, yeah. so it's uh, I think he's what 24, he's 24, 25 now, and and I think yeah. that that's kind of I think you're doing a lot of the right things, um, and I think I think a lot of even um, the uh, the guys that you're kind of in university with, um, obviously, um, literally they're obviously going to see kind of kind of what we've spoken about and what the journey was actually really about because I you probably haven't went this in depth <laughs> no, with no. them on. Nah. What what really goes on um, and yeah. how it really works, um, and um, yeah, and and like I say, I I think it's so important for people to realise that. But I think you got to love football enough to accept 100%. these things and these barriers that exist. Um, and if you don't love it, I I just don't I don't believe you'll want it enough. Nah, if you, you don't, if you're not willing, yeah. yeah. If you're not willing to sacrifice, and I can, I can definitely relate, man. I think this, I think this interview is really going to help a lot of parents, James, and uh, I definitely think, Diego, it's going to help a lot of players who, who you know, because when they when they looking at it and they're thinking, what way do I go? And um, I know Continental Spar Soccer, we've kind of got a new community, which we're actually we're, we're actually going to be running, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and Facebook, and one of the things we're going to be talking about is people have a lot of questions because. There's so many variables, which I'm sure James, you will agree. <laughs> and there's no, and it's like there's no secret recipe, but there is a number of golden rules. And in fact, in the webinar that we've actually done, we'll actually send that to you, Jago, and you can share it with your college friends because then that way they can come on and then we can actually educate them on what yeah. what they can expect. Because I think it's important for people that don't really know. And in America, you're quite protected. A lot of Americans yeah. are, are guarded. They Europe is not like Europe is not like America in the least. Um, it's it's very much sink or swim, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a lot of respects. They're quite gentle. The teams don't get relegated. Things like that. So they're not used to that in 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 Europe. You know what I mean? Very much so. And I suppose because America is very much a um, like the soccer culture. What have you noticed about that compared to? Being in Europe, or well, when we were in Europe, actually, <laughs> before yeah. we went into before we left Europe. <laughs> yeah. Well, what um, would you say? What would you say it was? Yeah. Give us a give us an understanding. Well, I think firstly, I talk a lot more um, than anyone else on the pitch um, because you know we're, that's a massive part of our game, and especially in the UK. And then I think the dark arts of the game, which is crucial to any, you know, down to the Sunday league darts out of the game um, in the UK is so important. And they just don't, they just don't, it's not a big part of the game at all here. Um, so I think more just being streetwise, um, it's not done enough out here. Um, and right. really doing what you have to do to win isn't pushed enough here. And I think uh, there's, there's, seven or eight Europeans, um, no, sorry, five or six Europeans in this team. And I think we really 
have began to introduce the Americans um, to that side of the game. Um, so hopefully we can have because you do need to be, you do need to have a little bit of a nasty side um, to your game. And academy right. football football in the UK definitely teaches you that. Um, so I think that was the main difference. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny because when I first went out, when I first went out to America, and I think Americans are interesting. They have arrogance in other ways, but they're kind of soft in other ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. You know, they're kind of naive or, or I don't know, ignorant of the fact. And it, it's interesting because I remember when I first went to DC United, and there was this one guy, and he just didn't like me. <laughs> he just yeah. didn't like me at all. I, I don't know what his attitude, what his issue was, and um. And, uh, and I was kind of negotiating with them before I went in the preseason because I'm going to get an injury, but I ended up getting an injury anyway, but that's for another time. But but anyway, so I'm in there, and then obviously this guy, um, he didn't he didn't like me and for whatever reason, and um, he had just been came in. The, I think there was a, a, I would call them Miami Fusion, they were called. <laughs> so they were, that's what they were called in the old league. And, and so United had recruited a lot of these guys from this team. And this guy, he just didn't, he didn't like me whatsoever. And and I remember he was probably the only real nasty one. And he said to me, he said, oh, do you think because you come from Man United, you're special? I was like, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, I think I'm very special <laughs> because it says, it says I've worked and I've sacrificed more than you have. You live in America. Everything's been given to you. I says, I grew up in a war zone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And life was very, very tough for a lot of people. And a lot of people lost their lives. And I, I said, I don't think you've grown up on that. I'll be quite honest with you. And I said, so I'm here. And um, and I think it was as well because somebody told him I was going to get paid more than him. So, But I wasn't there for the money. I didn't care for the money. I, I cared to go out and do well and, and thrive. So, But I think people, um, I think Americans aren't used to that. <laughs> yeah. They're not used to that. Type of an because they're very they're very nice they're very compliant but if you look in other American sports like American football basketball they're not compliant they're very they're super competitive you know what I mean so it's 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 in and I've heard that before for when I was there I I kind of felt that you know what I mean so do, do you find that challenging having to deal with that type of an attitude from um, just in terms of the American culture um soccer wise I have to say. But especially when I went out to Arizona, I really enjoyed it because I could get under people's skin so easily. And I, as a, I'm a seed. Tell us about that. How do you get under their skin? Oh, it's, <laughs> there's so many ways, and it's so much fun because Americans will always nibble. Um, so you, you can, you can. So I do enjoy that um, part of the game definitely. But I, th I think, in terms of in my team in training. Um, I think I struggled initially because I, did, I didn't understand that it wasn't part of the, the culture to be loud and communicating. Um, but I think now, I've now, we've we trained the whole of the fall um, and we've just started again. Um, so they've now had a long time um, with me and other Europeans. And I think, I think a lot of them now are starting to be um, that aggressive. You know, we, we had a little... We had a little, little coming together yesterday in training, and I think that's good because, right. it's like, it's part of the game. You know, as you, I'm sure it happened all the time at Man United. It happened all the time at Bristol City, and then you, you go off the pitch and you're fine again. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. so I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, man. I, I when I kind of 
and I kind of went over to you. I remember when I got to train with the with the United first team when I was only like fifteen at the time, and uh, I remember training, and I remember I remember Sir Alex turned around and he said he's always very simple, but and he said make, make sure David Beckham doesn't get past the halfway line, and uh, and I turned around and I was like I was like oh yeah it's just David Beckham you know what I mean like it's a very good player you know what I mean and uh, yeah. and because he was very good because he hit these long diagonals and I thought flipping heck and I was very very nervous and. And I remember going in, and I I just went in and fifty fifty them and made sure I crunched them. I just I just hammered them, yeah. and then and then um he says he's and he's like like mate like what was that all about mate you know what I mean what was that about? <laughs> <laughs> and he turns around and then Roy Roy, Roy King turns around and he says all oh, those Belfast boys Vicks, the tough lads. <laughs> <laughs> and I and, and he just and I turn around and I left them on the floor and just gave him a dirty look. And he yeah. was like, he was like, he was like right, you were right, tough little guys, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but I'll tell you one thing, you love it, you absolutely love it. So, yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So you can definitely do, you can definitely do this stuff, you know what I mean? And um, and I think in the playing environment, um, I think your dad probably saw a lot of it um, kind of growing up, and um, and I think that's something you can bring you can bring in the states. But also, I think it's also something you can communicate with a lot of the guys that you're playing with because they don't have that experience. They don't yeah. know they don't know yeah. what that's about, and uh, and I think you're going to be invaluable to them because um, I think you're a servant leader. You know what I mean? You you serve people, you want to help people, and um and you got a great character. I think you're very mature beyond your years. You know, um, and I think that that's that's yeah that those are definitely great leadership qualities to possess as a human being. It really is. I sincerely mean that. Um, and I mean, um, no, but yeah, man. So I think, so the, the goal is next for you. So you're going to go in, so you're going to go out to, you're going to go out to California in the summer. Hopefully COVID is going to hopefully be in a better position by then. Um, yeah. And uh, when do you expect to, when do you expect to go out there? It's a, what, what, when are you thinking? When's that going May, to happen? May 1st, hopefully. May 1st. Okay. Yeah. So and I'm that's till, people. and that's going to be till when will that be? Till uh, will that be just before university starts up again? Yeah, just before university, so probably last week of July, probably it finishes. Yeah. Okay. And then back and, to um, also, and are you just another question? Are you allowed to declare just so people can understand? But can you actually declare for the MLS early, like in your in your junior year, or do you have to complete all four years? Okay. You can declare any year. Um, you can, yeah, any year. Right. Okay. And what's your university doing? What are they doing to help you to, to, uh, to kind of go towards the draft? Like, even if it was like, could you go in like twelve months? Um, yeah. Twelve months time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's that's okay. my aim. I, I've got four years okay. to get drafted. So within these four years, okay. I want to get drafted. Um, so so do you not want to continue? Do you not want uh, to do the full? You just want to do what, like two years, three years, four years. What are your What are your thinking? I I, I want to do. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Um, okay. Because I think I've been a victim to planning um, for things and then not happening before. So I think I'm just working right now and trying to get drafted within the next four years into the MLS. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say like 2020 was good and I'm sure your dad's probably helping you pace yourself so that you yeah. don't learn to walk before you can run and gaining experience, I think that's the best way. 
because I think yeah. that's where you're going to learn. Um, you're going to learn the system as well. I think it just give yourself that time, you know. So yeah, but guys, it's been it's been it's been really really enjoyable. Um, and like I say, guys, any messages you may have for for Diego or even or even his dad, um, you can look out for just for James Lot. Um, James, where can people hope to find you? Any parents that have any questions and they want to bombard you <laughs> with how to be better parents and supporting their kids, where where can where can they find you? Best best place for me on social is on LinkedIn. So James Lott, you can you can look for me on LinkedIn. Uh, comes under my, my name there. Working Knowledge is my business name as well. So look me up there. Um, yeah, happy to field any questions. Absolutely. So guys, if you're looking for James, you just go James Lott, and that's L O T T double T, um, and uh, reach out to James if you have any questions. And also Diego will be happy. Um, also um, answer any questions um, people may have. If you're looking for acting advice, I think he, he'll probably give you what he can, but I think that'll be a bit of And also, I'm in the same bracket, so ask me either. Um, so I think, I, think, <laughs> I think that'll be great. Um, and then, like I say, just reach out to um, Diego. They can find you on LinkedIn. Um, can they find you on, because uh, you also are on, on Instagram, right? Yeah. Instagram and Facebook. Instagram, Facebook. Facebook and um, Jago lot on and and you're you're usually you're usually um, putting out videos, your, your training videos and stuff like that, where people can come and see what yeah. you're kind of up to, and you you, you kind of post regularly. Yeah, uh, is that you, you post pretty regularly? Okay, so yeah, so everybody can go on and they can follow them, and also to see how Continental Spire Soccer is changing the lives of young players um, around the globe. Um, definitely want to help you. You can actually reach out to us, and you don't forget to know to join the notification squad on YouTube. But our, our podcast now have been recently moved um, alongside to um, been moved to Spotify. Um, but also, you reach out to us on Facebook, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, Instagram. Um, so, guys, um, this this was great, um, and uh, I look forward to doing some some more some more stuff again. It's, it's going to be great. <laughs>